Welcome to episode 26 of the KBB Review podcast from Taylor's Media. I'm managing editor Andy Davis, and it is a glorious day up here in the loft. The sun is shining, and the country is basking in the glory of Liverpool's first league win in 30 years. Don't pretend you don't care. This is like the Avengers endgame of football. The last 30 years have been fun, but we all know it's really been building up to this moment. So, before I open the skylight and start annoying all the Crystal Palace fans who live around here by singing You'll Never Walk Alone at the top of my voice, let's crack on with the podcast. First up, we're talking to Johnny Westbrook from the Furniture Makers Company, the livery organisation and charity that, along with many other things, provides support to members of the furniture industry who have fallen on difficult financial times. And that's very relevant at the moment, of course, and Johnny will tell us what practical help they can get. Then we're talking to the father and daughter team of Mick Murphy and Natalie Peters from Norfolk retailer Kitchens Etc. Really interesting story they have. And Natalie has just finished the kitchen design degree course and she'll be telling us all about that too. But first, Taylor's Media Shameless Plug Time and the KBB Review Save Our Skills campaign continues. We currently have over 25 proactive job seekers up on kbbreview.com, all of whom are looking for their next job after being made redundant thanks to coronavirus. I added it all up and there's over 350 years of industry experience and knowledge in that group. We simply can't let all that go at a time when we need all the skills we have. The experience ranges from area sales managers to installation project management to customer service and design. So if you have any vacancies, go along there and have a look or check out the weekly Save Our Skills email on a Monday morning. And don't forget, if you're a retailer with three showrooms or less, you can put your job ad on kbbreview.com for free too. No catches, it really is that simple. Have a look in the episode description for this episode for all the links to the info you'll need if you're looking for a job or you have a job to advertise. Right, let's talk now to Johnny Westbrook, who's the CEO of the Furniture Makers Company. And we've been having a little chat about our Save Our Skills campaign. And they've got some very, very practical advice and help that they can give to people who may be on the worst end of what's happening with the coronavirus in terms of the economics and their jobs. So are you there, Johnny? Yep. Good morning, Andrew. Nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you too, sir. It's a beautiful sunny day. I'm up here in the, uh, in the loft, baking in the hot sun as always. There might be quite a few people out there who aren't familiar with you or what you do. So could you give us the, the five-minute spiel on what the Furniture Makers Company is? Of course. So the Furniture Makers is the City of London livery company and charity for the British furnishing industry. So we're a membership organisation. We've got about 300 or so individual members, liverymen. But we've also got a, a good number, about 35 companies who are corporate members as well. So we have a number of events, uh, this fellowship various fundraising events. People have a lot of fun by being a member, but fundamentally behind it, our output is support to our industry. Um, We do that through three ways. It's education, welfare and excellence. And right now we're massively focusing on the welfare support that we can give to people in the furniture and furnishing industry. Just to put it into a little bit of context, the merger about 10 years ago now between the furniture makers and what was the FTBA, the Furnishing Trades Benevolence Association, which has been going for about 120 years. So we've got quite a lot of experience in support to the furniture and furnishing industries. But as I said, the focus very much uh, on welfare now uh, for people that are finding times tough as a result of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Because organisations like the City of London livery type companies, which have been going for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, I suppose can sometimes be seen as a, a bit of a, an event-driven, a bit of fun thing that people can be involved with. But actually the work that a lot of them do, not just yours, but a lot of them, are very, very the centre of an industry helping those who need help the most. Yeah, and the livery movement has been going for hundreds and hundreds of years, probably thick on a thousand years, I I should think, set up by trades to help their trades in the city of London. And obviously things have changed over a long, long period of time. For us, our members are all people from within the furniture and furnishing industry. So they they have to be a part of us uh, to join, which, which means that they you know, our activities are relevant to them. Some liveries are open to, uh, there are open liveries, they're, they're open to people who might be from any walk of life, and it's more of a club. For us, we've got that industry focus. And we're very lucky that we still have a, a massive thriving industry. Some of the um, liveries which were set up many years ago, of course, their industries don't um, exist anymore. The pattern makers would be a good example. You know, you don't have people walking around with funny things strapped to their shoes to keep them out of the mud anymore. Things have moved on, but everybody still needs furniture and furnishing. And we, we've got we've got a very practical way that we can engage and support with our industry. And that's that's really important to us. The history of it is absolutely fascinating, but and we could do a whole podcast just about that. But let's bring it bang up to date here, because one of your remits is about supporting those who need help. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening right now with the whole coronavirus situation. Give us a bit of background here on who was applying for help from you before and who is applying for help from you now. Well, anybody that works or has worked in the furniture or furnishing industry in the UK that has fallen on hard times, whatever they may be, can apply to us for a grant. And that hasn't changed. So I guess pre-COVID, we were getting quite a lot of people. I'll give you an example. It might be somebody who's got a, a really poorly child and has had to take time off to look after that child and, and they need some help with bills to get them to the hospital. That's something we've done last year. It could be a respite holiday for a carer. We've had people that have been, you know, had all sorts of domestic issues and been homeless uh, and we've helped them out with furniture or furnishing so every case is individual but it's basically the industry we're the industry's charity if somebody is in real genuine need they can apply to us for a grant and the vast majority of times we'll be able to give someone uh, practical financial support we're, we're a small organization so we don't tend to give lots of advice because we're not geared up for that it's relatively small amounts of money but we can act fairly swiftly and that speed is really important when people are having a bit of a crisis. That small amount of money can be an absolute lifeline when you need it the most, though, can't it? Absolutely. It's actually, before the COVID pandemic, our average amount of money was about £800. So it's not a massive sum, but it's enough. And if it hits the person very quickly, it can often solve all sorts of problems. So the speed is, is important. And because we're so small, uh, we can be quite nimble and we don't get thousands and thousands of applications. So each one is dealt with very much as an individual. Give us an idea of, of, of how the numbers have changed between you know, a normal March to May, June kind of period and what's happened in the last few months. So what we've done in March is we've set up a thing called uh, personal support grants. So anyone that's been affected adversely by COVID, and, and that's mainly people being made unemployed but we have provided some support to people that have been furloughed if that's really pushed them under and both people and the family have been you know been furloughed whatever the case case may be 
the personal support grant was specific for, for, for COVID. And our applications have gone up about 20 times uh, since the wow. since last year. So you can imagine um, it's caused us a fair bit of thinking about how to reorganize things in the office. But you know, that's what we're here for. And this is the biggest Sadness, sadly, the biggest event that's that's hit our industry for a long time. So, you know, we've got to step up and help. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay, so give us an idea then of, because I'm sure if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, well, I could do with some of that. Who actually qualifies for this? Who, who is eligible and who isn't? So anyone in the furniture or furnishing industry can apply to us for a grant. But obviously, the welfare team will look very carefully at their applications to make sure that they're, they're genuine applications. And we've got our internal guidelines on amounts of money. So it's, it's, it's moderately complex inside the office. But in, in simple terms, if you're working in the industry, you know, you've been made redundant or the pandemic's affected you in a way you're self-employed and the, the money's just dried up. People can apply to us and, and we will help them where we can uh, with financial support. You are the furniture makers company. So suppose people might just think, well, I don't make furniture. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not on the yeah. tools, you know, making a cabinet or whatever. So I don't know if you're an area sales manager for a, you know, a distribution company that sells kitchen furniture, are you eligible? Yeah, it's slightly unfortunate. We we are the furniture makers livery company, but we merged with the Furnishing Trades Benevolent Association. So anyone in furniture or furnishing can, can apply to us for a grant. You don't have to be making it. You can be selling it. You can be uh, moving it around, all the different trades involved. Uh, and we try to uh, interpret that as broadly as possible. We're basically here to help people. We don't want to turn people away. And it's very it's very broad. So if, if you're basically working for a company in the furniture or furnishing industry, um, you're, you're eligible. I mean, I could sit here just listing job titles at you and you would say yes or no, but that would, that, would, that would take up an awful lot of time. Where should people go to find out if, if they are eligible or not? Well, the first thing to do is to look at our website, which is www.furnituremakers.org.uk. Uh, and on it, there's a uh, there's a specific site which got all the frequently asked questions. So someone can click on that, have a have a quick look, and they'll have a ninety percent certainty of whether it's for them or not. If people are genuinely finding financial hardships at the moment and they're in the industry, I would encourage them to to, to apply. But look at the website; that will give you a really good idea of, of whether you you are eligible at the moment. But often the case is people we, we, we have turned down a number of people because of various uh, reasons. But almost all of them, we've said, look, do come back again if your situation changes. As I keep reiterating, we're here to help. We don't want to say no, but occasionally we, we have to. Can you give us an idea of what kind of sums of money we're talking about here? These support grants, what kind of sums are they? Is there a maximum? Is there a cap on them? Uh, the, for the personal support grants, we've we tried to keep it as simple as possible because, again, from a processing point of view, we don't want to make it too complicated. So if you're an individual, you can apply for a monthly grant uh, of £200, and that is up to a maximum of four months. We normally apply it for two months, and then if the situation's still there, uh, we, we can keep that rolling on with, with some fairly simple checks. Likewise, if it's a married couple, um, they can apply for a monthly grant of £250 for up to a maximum of four months. And then for sole traders, because they're in a slightly different position, they can apply for a one-off grant of £500. So it's not going to fill the hole completely, 
But for us, it's about welfare. So it's enabling, hopefully enabling people to put food on their table and, uh, uh, you know, and keep the basics going. But equally, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a useful amount of money for people. Yeah, and it's a bridging thing, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, we're not able to fulfil the role of the, the welfare state. It's right now when things are very uncertain and, and people are losing their jobs or they're, you've got double furloughs in families and incomes are, are way down. We're, we're trying to yeah, absolutely bridge that gap to hopefully when, when things start bouncing, uh, bouncing back a bit in the future. It's a brilliant scheme. For what it's worth, I certainly endorse it, of course. One thing I wanted to ask you while you're on, actually, is what kind of vibe you're getting from the members of the people in the industry that you talk to all the time about what you think is going to happen next, about whether the, the, what direction the market is going to go into. What are you picking up? It's very mixed, is, is the honest answer. I'm getting a lot of positivity from, from manufacturers who are saying they've got, got order books for, for the next two or three months. Uh, and I think since since the, the the retail side of things starting to open up, there's a, there's a lot of positivity out there as well. But also there's a lot of caution. And I think if you listen to the TV and the radio, you know, there's a lot of negativity on the bigger economy and people sort of talking about all sorts of doom and gloom. I'm hearing very, very mixed. And, and I think there is a certain amount of talking up and talking down. And I think if everybody is tries to be as positive as possible, I, I think it will make a difference because economy is ultimately all about confidence. We do need people to spend stuff, uh, buy stuff, so that, that, that people can make it uh, and sell it. So I haven't got a single answer there. I, I read a really interesting article, which I think is going to appear on our website soon, by an economist, which was incredibly upbeat uh, and, and talking about very much a very sharp V recession, V-shaped recession. Uh, and, and he was very positive that if people start spending soon, there's an awful lot of cash in the wider system. Um, uh, and people just need to start buying stuff. So uh, it, it, it's mixed, but I, I, I tend to be a half glass full rather than a, a glass half empty type kind of guy anyway. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. I've, you know, I've said before that as, as bad as it is, this as an industry is relatively well protected when you compare it to hospitality or you know holidays or those kind of industries which are really 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 suffering at least there seems to be some business going through the pipeline within the furniture market D- definitely and weirdly i guess that you know people a lot of, a huge number of people have been stuck at home looking at the same furniture and furnishings and probably not going to be planning on going on uh, airplanes and holidays uh, anytime soon but might might be considering uh, changing their environment by you know, buying a new sofa or buying some new cushions or curtains or new kitchen or whatever it might be. So um, I, I think that genuinely uh, will be a, a sizable market of people wanting to spend some money on that type of thing rather than, uh, the, than on holidays. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that will be good news for the industry too. Do you know where you need to put your money, Johnny? What is that? Caravans. Caravans, yeah. Caravans, they're going to be absolutely massive in the next six months. Caravans, you won't be able to buy a caravan in two months' time. (laughs) It's a bit like at the moment you can't buy a bike. Well, there's a lot of furniture in a caravan as well, you see. It's very small, but it's there. That's true, very cleverly done. Look, Johnny, thank you so much for your your insight here, and I think this is a fantastic scheme that you're doing. You do some brilliant work, and you're helping an awful lot of people, so uh, thank you so much for doing that. But, of course, the big question comes at the end, as it always does. Because what we really want to know is what is your deserted Kitchen Island disc? Your most positive feel-good song, Johnny Westbrook, what is it? 
Oh, it's a tricky one, but I'm going to have to go for Teenage Kicks by The Undertones, my favourite. Oh, what a number. That is a great choice. That is a pl- The energy in that song is exactly what we need right now, and it's all about living life to the full. So, Johnny, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your help and your insight, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon and we'll see what kind of uptake you've had uh, from this side of the industry anyway on, on the work that you're doing. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, yeah, if we can get get people, have a look at the website and spread the word as well. You, know, you If you hear it on this podcast, there must be other people out there that you know about uh, in a similar situation. So please, you know, give them, give them a call, point them in the right direction. We, we are here to help our industry and now's the time to do it. Thanks very much for your time, Andrew. Well, thank you. And we will put that website in the episode description. Brilliant. Thanks, Johnny. Cheers. All the best. Bye. Right, let's head over to Norfolk now to talk to a classic family-run independent retailer, Kitchens Etc. And hopefully down the line, we have the daughter and father team of Natalie Peters and Mick Murphy. Are you there? We certainly are. Hello. Hello. Ah, good. Well, I see a father and daughter. I haven't done this before. This is very exciting for me. For those that don't know about Kitchens Etc., who wants to be the one that gives me the potted history of who you are and what you do? I'll jump in first, Andrew, because she's too modest. I've been... Uh, in the business a long, long time. I'm approaching 60 and we made a decision a few years back that because Natalie has been in the business since she left school, that she is going to take over the business. So she is the succession plan, if you like. We generally make handmade furniture. We are very, very passionate about design and I have been a student of Johnny Gray's for 30 odd years. Well, I like this, Natalie, that you're the, you're the sort of Charlie Bucket to mix Willy Wonka here. I'm, I'm liking this story already. Yeah, we're a little bit different, um, Andrew. I read a book in 1994 called The Art of Kitchen Design, and that, to me, was my eureka moment. That was when I stopped selling Apple, when you may remember Next and Ram Kitchens. And I thought, the guy, this guy has made this so interesting that I really decided I, I don't really want to just sell boxes. So I I reinvented the business as a pure, bespoke, handmade company. You don't copy Johnny Gray, but you do get inspired by him. He's inspired me ever since. So basically, blame it all on him. He, He was the one who opened my eyes to true kitchen design. You know, genius designers are a rare breed, but genius designers who share their knowledge willingly is is just unbelievable most of the stuff you do you make yourselves what kind of advantage does that give you in terms of being able to to stop and then start up again very quickly an incredible advantage because obviously we're in control of everything we're not waiting for outside deliveries having said that it's also quite limiting by thinking out of the box broadening your horizons and, and I'm a big fan of any independent kitchen retail. I don't like the sheds, to be honest, and I'm not going to make any apologies for it. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're purely in it to sell boxes. But go to an independent retailer who's passionate about their business. It's, it's a win-win every time. Natalie, you're a very family-run business, aren't you? There's also your mum and dad, and then there's you, and your husband works in the business as well, I think, doesn't he? He certainly does, yeah. And everyone else uh, within the business, there's not many of us, we're very small, but they've all been with us for a very long time, um, school leavers, uh, you know, school leaving age. So we are like one big family, to be honest with you, extended family. 
And that's pretty typical, I think, sometimes of, of independent retailers. But what advantage or disadvantage does that give you when you have to kind of cope with a situation like this? Do you all fall out or are you all very sort of business-like and professional with each other? I'd say it gives us an advantage. We've worked together a long time. We all get on well. We've all got respect for each other. We're all in it for the same reason. We This is not just our business. It's our livelihood. It's our life. So, And we are extremely passionate about it. We have a laugh and a joke and we might have a, the odd crossword here and there. But Only, no, only every day, Andrew. <laughs> Do you talk kitchens on Christmas Day? Yes. We do talk kitchens. Yeah, I thought you were, I thought Fine. so. I thought <laughs> All so. The time. Now look, Natalie, if your name sounds very familiar to people listening to this who read KBB Review, you write a column for us uh, every now and again about the kitchen design degree course that you are doing at Books University. Give us a background of, of why you started up on, on that course in the first place. Because I've always wanted to move within the business, that's always been my goal to move fully into kitchen design. But I felt that I needed training and more of a specialist course to give me what I wanted and and what we needed as a business. We're quite specialist in what we do. And my dad just hasn't got the time to teach me. I mean, I've been in the business years praying and hoping that he would have the time to teach me. But he just doesn't have it. And so this course I've been following from when it started... Uh, But at the time, I just had my young children, so it wasn't the right time for me. But when it did come about that it was the right time for me, it was sheer luck, really. And I think meant to be. I'm a big believer in things being meant to be. A letter came through the post from Franca offering sponsorship towards the course for 50% of the course fees. And what I needed to do for that was to write a letter explaining to them why I wanted to do the course and about myself and the business and everything. And so I just literally wrote this really heartfelt letter telling them everything and and about the business and that kitchens are all I've ever known and this is all I've ever wanted to do but just the the circumstances are with such a small business I've never been able to learn from my dad and have the time to sort of move myself forward into that so I was fortunate enough to receive the sponsorship and started on the course and the rest is history as they say. Yeah, what's interesting here is even in this conversation, I think you have learned a lot from your dad. You've learned an enormous passion for the industry and for that business. I think that is the most important lesson of all there. What's interesting about it is when I spoke to people who've done the course before, obviously you're doing very specific design projects and design exercises, but it, it does give you a, a kind of broader horizon for going back to business as well, doesn't it? It does expand your mind a bit too. It certainly does. Yeah, I think that's the the wonderful thing about this course is that it is it's obviously all about uh, creative thinking and creative design for kitchen design, the technicalities. But it's much more than that. as Well, you learn so much more about overall business so that you you could come out of it and, and go straight into business pretty much yourself. If you wanted to, you learn all about marketing, parts of running the business, project management. So you do, you learn so much. It, it's so well-rounded. It's, it's, it's perfect, really, for what you need. And what's clear is that even though you, make, as you say, you've been in the game a long time, but you're learning stuff from, from that about how to change your thinking about the way the market works and your business works. I am TKET's biggest fan, and I think it is the future of the industry, and I'm really passionate about that. I mean, if I can just give you an example, it was taken to Adam Thomas's own kitchen, and he said to her, get in a wheelchair, see from the perspective. I mean, it's just simply brilliant, isn't it? You're going to design for a disabled person, and he says, get in a wheelchair. I mean, it's so simple. It's just incredible and the people involved in it i just pray 
and I'm going to be really radical now. I, I don't like paying the CITB levy. I pay it because it's the law and I have to. But I'll be honest, the CITB does nothing for me. I would rather pay a levy to TCAT because if you can give... I, I mean, I know all universities are in trouble with money and all the rest of it, but if we do want to bounce back, if TCAT are given the money... I mean, Johnny Gray and Craig Matson aren't doing this for financial gain for themselves. We really ought to get behind them. There's so many good people that were involved, are involved. You've got the right people there. And if Johnny and Craig were given the mandate to say, right, let's really make the kitchen industry an attractive place for a career, we could do so much more. Yeah, but I think it does involve, though, because this isn't a university course that you just go off and do for three years. You do it on the job. You, it's a very distant learning part of it. You have residential weekends, those kind of things. You have to have a background and a boss that allows people to go off and do it. You do. And the other thing I get when I have conversations with people, they say, well, you don't need a kitchen degree to design kitchens and be successful at it. And I think, of course you don't. Are you also saying that you know everything and there's nothing else to learn? Because if that's the case, you're in the wrong business. Because as you know, one of the major attractions of this business is it is constantly changing, which makes it more interesting nearly every week. Yeah, but you have to have the kind of passion that you're demonstrating here to want to go out and learn. I think that's a big part of the leap. But I think it's up to everybody to get behind them and, you know, give them the the funds and the mandate to do it. Now, what do you think you're going to apply directly to the business in the next three or four months when we really don't know what's going to happen and it'll be the real test of what comes next? What do you think you've learned that you're going to apply there? It's a really good question, that is. Just thinking differently, being open-minded, being receptive to changing situations, not being stuck in your ways. And I think the brief-taking and things and, and just understanding changing circumstances and, and adapting to that. Mick, as well, you've been in this game a very long time. You've seen lots of things come and go. I know you've never dealt with a pandemic before, but what's your short, medium and long-term gut feeling about what's going to happen next? I think, Andrew, that there is a massive opportunity. I think people have been stuck at home. They might realise the shortcomings and just how important the home is. They're, they're not necessarily going to go on exotic foreign holidays anytime soon. And I think there will be a bit of caution, but generally speaking, people do like to invest in property. So my take on it is that every single independent kitchen retailer, hang in there, do whatever you have to do to be there when this comes back. And I'm certain it will come back because the conversations I've had with people over this, I call it the lock-in period. I think there will be a very, very good bounce back if you're prepared to do it and be ready for it and i think it's there it's just waiting mick that's about as positive an outlook as you can get which i absolutely love but of course there is one important question i need to ask you at the end of this and i guess it's the one that you've probably been waiting for the most i'm going to start with you nat what is your deserted kitchen island disc your most positive feel-good song what is it let you go first because you've got oh, yours ready enough. let me have a little bit of a minute oh mix, okay mix thought mix already thought it through i've listened to all the podcasts andrew give me shelter give me shelter the rolling stones that's a song that is a proper tune how are you going to beat that nat i've got mine mine would be dance monkey by tones and i yeah mick wins that one yeah <laughs> i'm sorry but you always gets me up it is a really good tune but you're up against the stones come on i sound so old now (laughs) 
Well, look, thank you so much for sparing us a little bit of time today. I really do appreciate it. I really wish you all the best for the future. Good luck, Nat, because you're graduating in the next few weeks or you're finishing in the next few weeks. Certainly am. Uh, so yeah. hopefully you'll get to have a proper in-person graduation. Fingers crossed. Uh, in September. And we'll catch up again soon. Thank you very Thanks, much. Andrew. That's it for episode 26. Thanks to Johnny, Natalie and Mick. The episode description contains links to the Furniture Makers Company, to Kitchens Etc. and all the information you might need on the Kitchen Degree Design course. It also contains the links to our Save Our Skills information for job seekers and for people who have jobs to advertise. See you next time.